Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. The Fellowship of the Believers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Before we sit down, I'm going to give you 15 seconds to greet five people, and you can say, let's be devoted to fellowship. Can we do that? Say hi, and then let's be devoted to fellowship. And for those of you who are far in the back, you can actually move to the front a little bit. But if you choose to stay at the back, what can I do? It's okay. You are loved. Um, You can be seated. And those of you who are joining us online, welcome to our Sunday corporate worship. As Grace just prayed for us, uh, today is the final, uh, well, I'll be sharing final message on this sermon series on Church Devoted. I mean, we, we had uh, Acts 2, verse 42 and following read every Sunday for the past seven Sundays, pretty much. And as, as we read about this picture of the early church, that was given birth by the Holy Spirit, it is a beautiful picture. Um, and it all begins when the Holy Spirit comes upon a group of Christ's followers. Uh, before the Spirit came, they were living in fear. And after the Spirit came upon them, they become bold as a lion to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And and so the church is given birth by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by power of men or by the plan of men, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit who comes upon people who turn away from living their lives without regard to God and turn to God who created them and who revealed himself to be Lord and Savior in his son Jesus Christ, who died and rose from the dead, and he lived with his disciples for 40 more days, and then he ascended to heaven. So the Holy Spirit comes, church is given birth, and what we just heard it read, a beautiful picture of church, starts by saying, the disciples who received the gift of the Holy Spirit The disciples who were devoted to Jesus and his mission were devoted to apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. And awe, reverence, fear of God fell upon all who gathered. And signs and wonders were done through the apostles. It's interesting how Bible actually shows um, the order of show and tell. 
before apostles go out to preach, a lot of times they show with their life of power, doing miracles and signs, doing good deeds, pointing people to Jesus. Because people wonder, like, what's going on here? And then they say, it's Jesus. Preaching comes after demonstration of God's love and truth and power, living in the people who are filled with the Spirit. And of course, the beautiful picture of koinonia, the togethering of the fellowshipping of brothers and sisters sharing their life and resources, and there's no one who is in need because the culture of this church is so generous. They're just giving and giving and giving. No one lacking anything. In fact, the, the word for generosity in Greek is koinonikos. Same word, koino. Koino is common. Koinonia, sharing together. They're just generous bunch of people because they have experienced extravagant generosity of God. God the Father who gave his one and only Son, Jesus who gave his own life as a ransom for many. And because they understand and they experienced the generous gracious love of God, they are just being generous. Open hearts, open hands, and they're gathering in large groups in temples, small groups in their homes. They're, they have life groups. I mean, you see in this passage, there's a corporate gathering regularly, and then there is small group gathering regularly, praising God, having favor with all the people. And it's interesting how there is no mention of them going out to evangelize, at least not in this passage. It's them loving God, loving one another, that makes it so contagious, that their love is so contagious that people are seeing this, this group of people that it's just so different. Alternative society, what Ephesians 2 calls about, this is new humanity that's been given birth by the Spirit. And they're just attracted to this group of people who are just loving one another so dearly that they want to be a part of it. And it says, the Lord brought people into their number day by day. I heard of a, a church in San Francisco. Um, it's, it's a church that just blossoming and booming and multiplying like crazy, and a lot of pastors and church planters uh, go there to learn. How, how, do, you, how do you do that? Um, apparently, it's a second-gen Korean church. Um, that began years ago, and they just began with a small group of people, uh, one leader with just a small life group, basically. And they just loved one another. The secret sauce is basically, they just love being together. 
they did life to, like they were living out Acts 2 verses 42 and following together. And then people got added more and more and more. So they break out into make smaller groups, another house church here, another house church there, another house church there. Now they have hundreds of life group leaders leading house churches. It's possible. And wouldn't it be great? I mean, as, as we have gone through this sermon series and as I am meditating and learning about what it means to be church, God has given me a vision for what new hope can be and should be that we are all devoted to Jesus. Whoever comes to new hope will grow in our devotion to Jesus, that we love Jesus so much. When people walk in, they will feel in our worship, in our gathering, hey, these people love Jesus. That this church looks like Jesus. That we are indeed body of Jesus. We are extension of Jesus on earth, little Jesuses, members of this one body of Jesus Christ that we are devoted to the mission of Jesus, that we are continuing ministry and mission of Jesus in this world. Healing the broken, proclaiming the good news to the poor, doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God, inviting more people to come to know the goodness of Jesus, that we are devoted to the Word of God, that we are hungry for God's Word that is sweeter than honey, that we can say we can go without food, but we cannot go without God's Word. That we don't just hear God's Word, but we do God's Word. That we don't just have big heads, but we have big hands serving doing good works that we are devoted to prayer. We believe in the power of prayer and we pray like crazy. That we experience miracle. That we have bold prayers. God, do this because we cannot do it, but only you can do it. And we actually experience answer to our prayer people with addiction being set free, people with brokenness get healed, broken marriages get reconciled, broken families experience healing and unity, broken relationships get mended, lives are being transformed inside out. We also lament together as a church that experience pain and suffering in this world that we help each other, that we bear each other's burden, even as we don't neglect personal responsibility, we are in this together, that we have this explosion of joy in our worship, and we proclaim the good news that our God reigns. Yes, suffering, pain, distortion, brokenness in this world, but we in faith proclaim with joy that our God reigns and we love each other deeply.
that it's our love for God and love for one another that is attraction for people to want to taste and see that God is good. That was a long intro because today's a final message on this sermon series. But I hope and pray that you catch that vision of what a church can be and should be and what we are called to be. That it's not just me or a few leaders, but it's all of us as members of this church, if you are a member of this church. And if you're not, I hope you can join us in this vision. Now today, last sermon on the topic of fellowship, that church is devoted to fellowship. I mean, this picture in Acts 2 is a church that is devoted to fellowship. Again, fellowship is such a rich and beautiful word, but we kind of use it in a very limited way to refer to a social activity of some sort, like fellowship hall, fellowship snack, over coffee and donut after the service. It includes that social aspect, but it's so much more than that. Koinonia in Greek, which gets translated a lot of times or used a lot of times to mean more fellowship in English, actually in the English Bible gets translated as communion, partnership, participation, sharing, contribution. It's a very rich word, and depending on the context, it gets translated in those different words. Today, um, for the next 30 minutes or so, I want to talk about the foundation of our fellowship, quality of our fellowship, and strength of our fellowship. A first foundation of our fellowship, I covered it two weeks ago, but as I was preparing for today's message, final message in the church, I just felt this is so foundational, so important, it's worth our time to review and go deeper. What is the foundation of our fellowship? What is the foundation of our fellowship? Foundation of our fellowship with one another is our fellowship with God. The first point, our fellowship is founded on our fellowship with God in Christ. We looked at 1 John Chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship, koinonia, with us. That's fellowshipping with one another, horizontal. And indeed, our fellowship, koinonia, is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Our fellowship is grounded and founded in our fellowship with God. Church is not a social club. Having Lots of fun together is good, but it's not a social club. It's not a community center providing services to meet people's need. Yes, we are here to meet people's need, various needs, but it's not just a community center. It's not a voluntary organization where people can casually choose to associate or affiliate and then casually disassociate and disaffiliate. Church is a household of God where God is the Father, Jesus is the older brother, and we are brothers and sisters, cousins and uncles and aunties in the family of God. By the virtue of the fact that you have been tied to God the Father through Jesus, that you belong to God, you belong to one another. Without belonging to Jesus, 
There is no fellowship. There is no belonging to one another. But if we belong to God through Jesus, that you're born into this family, there is no question about do I belong here. No, you belong here if you belong to God. But you try to belong to a church family without first having been belonged to God, you cannot really experience the fellowship that we see in this beautiful vision and picture of Acts 2. No fellowship with God, no fellowship with one another. That's why when the Bible talks about excommunication, that's disfellowshipping someone who is rebelliously sinning in the church is to be put outside of the church because, not because we don't love the guy, the person has chosen to break the fellowship with God first. Excommunion or communication is an expression that you have broken fellowship with God. Brother, sister, come back to our fellowship. But first, you need to restore your fellowship with God. You need to repent and believe in Jesus, and we will gladly welcome you back. We must have the spiritual foundation of fellowship with God in order to have meaningful, purposeful, fruitful fellowship with one another. And all begins with baptism. That's why in Acts 2, it begins with Peter preaching, people responding, and Peter baptizing them in the name of Jesus. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you, your children, and people far away, whom God calls himself, will receive the Holy Spirit. Because baptism is an outward expression, an affirmation of inward reality, spiritual reality that you are born again. That's why if you are born again, and yet you're not baptized, it's like trying to live and cohabit with someone without getting married. It's not proper. It's, a, it's the most celebratory event in church's life and ministry. I love baptism. I love wedding services because they're like the same. You're covenanting together to do life forever until death do us apart. It's a commitment, a public declaration. declaration. But that public declaration is not just about coming under Jesus' lordship, but it's also coming into Jesus' family. It's both. You cannot separate the two. Only in extreme circumstances, in a persecuted Christian context, people go at midnight into a river to do baptism in secret, but they do that as a church family. You never baptize yourself in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Somebody has to do that for you, and usually it's a church family. It's like everybody coming to the hospital when a baby is born, and we are celebrating the birth of the baby, and the baby belongs to the family. There's no secret Christian. That's why, if you look at the passage, there is baptism... And it talks about everyone whom the Lord God calls calls to himself. That's belonging to God, fellowshipping with God. But then in verse 47, it says, The Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. 
what we see here is, again, fellowshipping with God, fellowshipping with one another is, they're inseparable. They're inseparable. There is no isolationist Christian. John Stott says this, Jesus did not add them to church without saving them, nor did he save them without adding to the church. We welcome everybody. Everybody is welcome in this place. But our core message is turn away from yourself and turn to God and believe in Jesus. And when you commit your life to Jesus, you're welcomed into this family. In other words, there is no nominal Christian. We use that language, oh, you know what, he's almost Christian. Can you be almost born? Or almost married? No, you are either married or not married. You're either born or you're not born. There's no almost Christian. There's no category in the Bible that says you're almost Christian. I mean, in the process of evangelism, we can use that language. But when it comes to salvation, it's black and white. There's no nominal Christian. There's no solitary Christian. There's only Christian who belong to Christ and also belong to the body of Christ. That's why, I mean, COVID has messed us up a lot in our fellowship. Some of us have not shown up to physical fellowship over almost three years. It's like you can be married and not come home for three years. But that marriage is unhealthy. (laughs) So that's why you got to come back and fellowship with one another. You're missing out. It's not about me. It's not about us just gathering. No, it's for the sake of your own health. There's no Christian that is nominal but only devoted. There's no churchless Christian, only churched Christian. We tend to use baptism as a ritual that we go through at a certain age of, you know, when we, when we reach an age of accountability in our denomination, KPCA, you know, you either get infant baptized or you have to be in high, high school. Like, if you're like, you know, six-year-old or 10-year-old, like that awkward age, you, you have to wait. Um, you just heard Raz's Um, story last week, how they do baptism in Pakistan. They asked two questions. If by being baptized, you become a target of persecution and you may die, do you promise to not recant? You, you, You be devoted to death. Second question, as you are leaving Muslim faith, your family will dis- disown you, abandon you. Do you promise to devote to Jesus, even if your mother and your father and your siblings disown you? And they say yes. That's, that's baptism. 
That, that's, that's devotion to Jesus. And when someone goes through that kind of baptism, enters into the fellowship in the church, everyone with that story of how they chose Jesus with such sacrifice and cost, and that we call each other brothers and sisters, guess what? The fellowship that they experience is deep. No wonder it's deep. Because they truly are spiritual families. Because their own families has disowned them. That's, that's the story of the Bible. Have you, have we, experienced that kind of commitment in our baptism and, and a follow-up? If not, then no wonder our fellowship is shallow. Something's got to change because we've made church about compatibility and comfort, not commitment. That's, our, that's why our fellowship is weak and shallow. We've made church about social fellowship, not spiritual fellowship. I mean, I'm not against fellowship over sports, on hobby and fashion and other causes, but it's the common life in Jesus Christ, common goal in Jesus Christ that binds us together. That's why when they were devoted to fellowship, it begins with devoted to the apostles' teaching, ends with prayer, and in between, sandwiched, are the fellowship and the breaking of bread. Breaking of bread, communion or eating together, and fellowship is held by word of God and prayer to God. It's a spiritual fellowship. You know, like, even yesterday, there were four of us in the morning praying together. Sweet, sweet fellowship. I wish all of you can taste that. It's just the word of God, praying together, we're weeping together, we're rejoicing together. That's a spiritual fellowship. I love it. And if you have tasted how sweet it is, you will want more of it. Because we don't know it, we settle with, we'll meet like a couple times a month, and we fellowship Talk about life. I'm not, I'm, not against, I'm not against talking about life. But it's a spiritual fellowship I want to emphasize. If you are a genuine Christian and you meet a genuine Christian, this is my experience. I'm sure it's your experience. Ethnicity doesn't matter. Marital status does not matter. Age difference does not matter. Economic status, political stance, education Gender does not matter. In Christ, we belong together and you experience fellowship. I've had deep fellowship with a brother who is single, a teenager. I've had fellowship with Raza last week. Different ethnicity, different background, so different. But our fellowship was instantaneously deep. Because he truly is my brother in Christ. 
Are you longing for fellowship with others in this church? Do you want to belong? Well, then you must start by cultivating your fellowship with God. Without that foundation, there is no true Christian fellowship. We are just a social club, a community center, feeling some kind of affinity because we kind of look alike. I mean, in this room, I'm looking, most of us are Asians here. It's all right. But you know what? Church is not about that. Church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and our fellowship with him. So what is the foundation of our fellowship? It's our fellowship with God in Jesus Christ, and we all agree with that. Now, what is the building block of our fellowship? What enhances and builds up our fellowship with one another? What enriches and sweetens our fellowship with one another? My second point, our fellowship is enriched by quality of our character. Not all Christian fellowship is created equal. The quality of our fellowship is enriched by our character that reflects Christ, and as we bring that character into the relationship, it gets sweeter and sweeter. Philippians 2, we looked at it. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation or fellowship, koinonia in the spirit, any affection, any sympathy, complete my joy by being of one same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. How? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, pride, but in humility, character of humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look at only your own interests, but also the interests of others. The character of Jesus Christ. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. The the quality of our fellowship depends on the quality of our character with which we engage in our relationship with one another. Again, not all fellowship is created equal. I don't have to really explain this. You know. You've been in a fellowship at church where you are surrounded by people who talk about themselves a lot, they tend to be very, make life their, the conversation about me. They have a hint of pride, anger. And you walk away from that fellowship time feeling, what was that? It's just distasteful. It's not encouraging. And you don't think, I want more of that. And you think, what was that? Some of you left church. 
because your experience of fellowship was even toxic. Nothing spiritual, not sweet. On the other hand, you've been in fellowship with someone or people where people have put on the character of humility, willing to listen, be quick to listen, slow to speak, counting others more significant than him or herself, where each member of the group does not look at what my preference is, what I want to get out of this thing, but their interest is, how can I help you? How can I help this group? And you experience such a sweet, enriching, life-giving fellowship. And if you experience that, you know it's so sweet. And you want more of that. That's why I think Christian fellowship is like having French delicacies on an exquisite plate. It's, it's beautiful. Once you have that experience, you want more. But then, if the character of people involved in the fellowship is not that of Christ, but of Antichrist, then it's like having fly on that exquisite plate and that delicacy. And you are like, I wanted to eat. Oh, fly. Oh, shoot. Mm. Take it away, please. I, I, can't, I can't enjoy this. It's our experience in our marriages, in our friendship, in our small group. Just because we put groups together, and you guys will, will start a life group, doesn't mean that it's going to be so life-giving. It depends. <laughs> it depends. It depends on how each member bring into the table what kind of character, what kind of interest, what kind of mindset, what kind of value. Same thing with marriage. Marriage can be the greatest fellowship ever that you can experience in your life, or it could be the worst fellowship you can experience in your life depending on the character of the couple, each person. If, if we bring to friendship or relationship with selfishness and selfish ambition and my way or highway kind of an attitude, I'm tempted to say good luck, but I'm not going to say I just said it. But it's not, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. The fellowship's not going to be sweet. It's going to be so distasteful you won't want to run away. But that's not how God designed us. That's why Paul, if you have koinonia in the spirit, and you do, please make sure you put on Jesus. You put on Jesus when you have that conversation with your spouse. When you have that conversation with your child or your sibling or your parents, when you come to your life group meeting, remember this. Quality of your life group experience this season depends on you, not your leader. Leader, you could have Jesus as your leader. But if all the members show up with selfish ambition, it's all about my preference, 
Gotta be life-giving. But, but, if you bring to that relationship this character of self-forgetfulness, not about me, it's about you. It's about Jesus. How can I help you? I guarantee your life group experience, your marriage, your family, this church will have enriching, sweet fellowship experience. And how is such quality of fellowship made possible? It's only when we are filled with the Spirit and bear the fruit of the Spirit. When we mature in our character into Christ's likeness, that we truly become little Jesuses in our fellowship. I've heard... um, Someone saying, church is not just about disciple-making in the world. It's, it's about disciple-maturing in the church. It's the maturing of our character that matters so much, not just for the life inside the church, but witness in the world. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, humility, self-control. You want to say certain things, but you say, no, I'm not going to say it. That's self-control. That's all unity promoting as opposed to being divisive, the, the fleshly desire that war against our own soul, against the Holy Spirit. And we bear the fruit of the Spirit only as we abide in the Word of God and pray in the Holy Spirit. Again, our fellowship is held by Word of God and prayer. With, you, you take those away, the fellowship will just drop. That's why we emphasize the Word of God and prayer. And I will not compromise. As a pastor here, as long as I'm a leader here, those two cannot be compromised because there's no spiritual fruitful, life-giving fellowship unless our fellowship is held by the Word of God and prayer. So do you want to have sweet fellowship with one another? Don't just look at me as a leader. Don't just look at your life group leader. Don't look at each other and blame and complain that this church sucks or this church you know, doesn't, I can't belong here because they don't have this for me or that for me. No. You work on your character. You abide in the word of God and prayer. Start loving. And I trust you, God will use you to make this church, make your small group to be one of the most enriching group you've experienced in this season. So what is the foundation of fellowship? Our fellowship with God. What enriches our fellowship? Our character of Christ-likeness. Now finally, and I'm only even five more minutes, so I'm going to rush. This, was, this is an important point, but I have a testimony here too, so I'm going to just kind of rush through. But if I go a little over five minutes, please forgive me. I'm not going to be preaching for the next little while, so P- Pastor Jason's coming back next week, so, you know, you guys are lucky now. Yeah, enough of me, okay, enough of me. And now, how is our fellowship strengthened? That's the final question. 
not just sweetened, but strengthened, and it's by partnering together for the mission of Christ. Our fellowship is strengthened by our participation in the mission of Christ. The word participation is actually the exact same word as fellowship in Greek. It's koinonia. We'll come to a couple passages that shows that. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago, when I ask people, what do you look for when you look for a new church? A lot of people say community. Very understandable. We are social beings. We, we want to belong. We want relationship, good relationship. But we've got to be careful because when people say community, I wonder, and I could be wrong, whether they are just thinking about wanting this good relationship out of selfish ambition with this mindset of consumerism under which we live, all of us, including myself, thinking, what can I get out of church? I don't know whether you come to church thinking, how can I give to church? How can I serve church? Do you come with that mindset? Like, how can I give? And I want to thank our members who are faithfully giving your life, and we have many. But really, do we come to get out of church what we want, or do we come to give what the church needs, what others need? During our church leaders conference this week, one speaker talked about how we are belonging obsessed. That's the, word, that's the phrase that I've never heard. We are belonging obsessed generation, that we have this cult of intimacy in our generation, especially second geners. That we can make this church all about becoming home buddies, feeling comfortable. Church is a family, 100%, but brothers and sisters, church is family 100%, but church is more than a family. Church is an army. Church is a body of Christ. We are a body of Christ with a mission of Christ. That's why when we gather for fellowship and we think about community, we don't just think about relationship. Relationship is foundational for sure, but we gather to worship. It's about God and his glory. And we gather for mission. It's not about us, it's about the world that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul loved Philippian church. One of the sweetest, strongest fellowship he had with that church in Macedonia, Philippi. And the reason he had such a strong bond and affection for the church of Philippi was the partnership that he had for the gospel ministry. Look at verse three in chapter one, Philippians. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership. That word partnership translated in ESV is actually koinonia, fellowship, because of your fellowship, partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. When we come to 2 Corinthians 8, Paul is writing this letter to church in Corinth. He mentions about people, the church of Philippi. And this is what he says to church in Corinth about Philippian church, church in Macedonia. 
I want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia, referring to Philippian church. For in a severe test of affliction, the church in Philippi were going through persecution and affliction. Their situation is not good. Their abundance of joy, their joy was not circumstantial. It was rooted in the gospel, in relationship with God and with one another. And their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means. They want to give, 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 and give more of their own accord. I didn't have to force them, cajole them. They wanted to give, begging us, apostles, earnestly for the favor of taking part in Greek is koinonia, sharing, in the relief of the saints. This is a fellowship happening across different churches here, not just within the church. It's, this is talking about the mission. This is a beautiful picture. Acts 2, it's a church in Jerusalem. As you read the New Testament, you see fellowship being enriched and expanding across the globe. This week, I had a, a blessing and a privilege to fellowship with pastors and elders across North America within our own Presbyterian denomination. I got to hang out with this pastor from Philadelphia doing Spanish-speaking ministry. We have Russian ministry, they have Spanish-speaking ministry. And we talked about our battle wounds you know, a lot of pastors bleed. And there's something about, you know how moms, when they gather, they talk about their children and the, the, the sleepless nights of raising little ones, and they re-sympathize together. Pastors get together, and we talk about the hardships, the challenges, the heartaches. Partnership for the gospel. Fellowship of the suffering, participating in the suffering of Christ. I met the guy for the second time, spent about an hour. The kind of fellowship that I have with him is so deep, so much deeper than the kind of fellowship that I experience with average Christians. That's what participating in the gospel ministry does. It strengthens, it fortifies our fellowship. Fellowship is much more than food and fun, which is social fellowship. I don't want to neglect that. It's much more than reading and studying the Bible together. Spiritual fellowship, I don't want to neglect that. That's important. It in involves blood, sweat, tears as we stand side by side. fighting the battle together for the gospel. You have that scar, stigma of Christ. I have it too. Oh, that was tough. We are in the trenches together. We fought a good fight together. We cried, we struggled together. And the kind of fellowship that you experience, the level, the depth of fellowship that you get to experience when you are in the trenches together is incomparable. 
so our fellowship is strengthened by ministry and mission together for the glory of God. If you are serving in any way and you've experienced some kind of a sacrifice and suffering, I'm sure you wouldn't think like, oh, I'm sacrificing so much, this sucks. I'm sure you would appreciate how you get to participate in the fellowship through serving. That is not just social or spiritual, but it's serving fellowship. My fellowship with the media team every Saturday, Friday, I'm fellowshipping with them over email because without them, you guys don't have PowerPoint, you know? We're fellowshipping together. If you're not serving in any way in this body of Christ, you are totally missing out in this enriching, strengthening experience of fellowship. I received an email from a sister, a mom with many children, has a job, and her title of the email was serving. Pastor Charles, I was wondering if there's an area of the church in which I can serve. Due to work, I'm unable to serve on Sundays, but is there anything I can do behind the scenes, maybe during the week? I'm not tax savvy at all. I know you're quite busy these days with everything starting up again, so please take your time, and if anything comes to mind, please let me know. How joyful it is for me as a pastor to receive an email like that. We will have a serve board in, in this month of October where you get to hear about different ministries and you hope if you are not serving already or you've paused in serving at church, I encourage you to consider joining a ministry. Not because we need you, yeah? Everybody hands on deck, yes, that's what church is supposed to be. It's for your sake first. I want you to experience the strength of Christian fellowship when you partner with brothers and sisters. Recently, I got to hang out with Ricky, um, he, 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 he called me up, and, uh, and I said, let's meet up. And we talked about serving. Like he, he wanted to serve. He's already serving in praise team and welcome team and CYA. And he's like, local missions, I want to serve. My prayer is that you get to experience what Ricky has been experiencing. He, when did you join? It's been less than a, almost a year. Um, you see, ethnicity doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. When we are brothers and sisters in Christ and partnering for the gospel, the fellowship I get to enjoy with Ricky is rich and is strong because our foundation is fellowship with God and the quality of our fellowship is enriched as we grow into Christ-likeness together and the strength of fellowship is fortified as we participate in the mission of Christ together. May that be your story, my story, and our story in this church. Let's pray. I'm going to give you one minute to reflect and respond in prayer, or maybe prayer of repentance or prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of commitment. However, the Lord spoke to you and used my message or Rick's testimony that you will come before God in response 
of prayer. So let me give you this time for you to pray to God. Father, we thank you that you welcome everybody, that you're so generous. You make rain to fall to the righteous and unrighteous because you're a good and generous God. And this church opens its door wide to everyone with all different stories and brokenness whether Christian, non-Christian, you, you, you welcome us in the name of Jesus. And we pray that this church will be a place where people find hope in you, Jesus, that people will meet you, Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you to meet Christ here if you haven't. Jesus is so good. If I can offer you any gift, it's not money, it's not some kind of a a pleasant experience of some sort, it's Jesus. So Jesus, reveal yourself to us more and more in this place, that every person every single person will encounter you. And for those of us, Father, who are already in your family, thank you. It's before the foundation of the world. You chose us. You chose us to adopt us into your family, knowing that we will mess up, knowing that our lives are messy. But in your mercy, you lavished your grace, and you took us, brought us into your family, into fellowship with you, fellowship with one another. Thank you, God, that you are growing us into Christ-likeness, Feels like it's taking too long, but thank you for your patience, that you are patient with us, you're long-suffering with us. Father, may we be a church where we grow in our knowledge of you, but also in our character, that we will not just tell people about Jesus, but we will show people, we will show and tell that God, you are real, you are good. That Jesus, you died and rose again, and they will see from our life stories and our character that indeed this guy was dead before Jesus, but he's alive, and I want that. I want that life. May there be multiple testimonies of that. And God, what a privilege it is that we get to participate in your mission. May our fellowship be fortified and strengthened as we participate in the suffering of Jesus, as we participate in the mission of Jesus in this world, in this church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.